And the number of people that I've known who've, who've lost their lives over the last number of years is, is mounting. So I've got a, a vision of a policy at the provincial level that I want to push towards that just says, if you show up and you ask for help, they take you in. And I don't care if it's in the ER, if it's at a detox, if it's at a, a rehab center, they will take you in. And then, you know, whether it's in a taxi or a, 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 a an ambulance, <laughs> whatever, they will then escort you, take you to a safe space, and then you do not have to worry. The world is an ever-evolving place. We live, we learn, we adjust. It is a continuous cycle with new ideologies being brought to the forefront in an effort to make for the best economical and political theories possible, for the good of us all. Time may debunk certain theories, time may open our eyes to those who are trying to exploit us. Time may be on our side, and on the contrary, time may not be on our side. At the pit of it all, the issue of humanity and the balance of power being so far strung out that those who are oppressed finally come to terms with laying it all on the line. How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to endure? Is there cause for change? Or should we continue to trust our system? We have opinions, not answers. But maybe, just maybe, in the thick of it all, we will be able to find the means we are looking for to live in harmony with one another and to live in harmony with our planet and the vast amount of life that shares this home with us. Thanks for joining today. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Social Perspective Dispute. Hi, and welcome to episode number two of The Social Perspective Dispute. Immediately, I just kind of want to get out of the, you know, I talk about everybody having a voice and Anchor FM that I use to uh, put together this podcast has been nothing short of a great. I was running a hockey one off of the same uh, same thing and uh, just had nothing but positive uh th positive things um to say about about anchor fm they do all the legwork to make sure that i'm reaching all the different platforms that uh podcasts are available on uh it's really just a matter of me getting the content together organizing it and then putting it out there so uh i mean if you have something that, that you were wanting to look into and, and maybe even just to create your own thing or even just to see what it's all about. Anchor FM uh, is, has been the way that I've been putting all this together. So I highly recommend it. And moving on to today's podcast, you know, I would say that this interview, and I would say that I had some, some guiding questions that we were going to talk about. And it, in hindsight, it was really probably push, pushing towards uh, mental health. And 
it uh it turned out to be an amazing podcast and and talk to sarnia city councillor uh brian white uh we get into a lot of uh a lot of things that he's kind of uh been uh doing here over the pandemic and and um kind of where the council and stuff like that has been what they've been doing what he's been trying to do uh talk about uh different uh social programs that there are um and and along those lines and it's really it's really a, a great thing if you get all the way through you'll find that there is the mental health vibe throughout this and uh in in the next uh week or two i do hope to be uh putting together a panel um we had the the anticipation that maybe episode three was going to be uh towards mental health but it actually was uh landed on earth day so we we changed direction and we went we went to that as a topic which turned out to be a fantastic uh conversation and will be uh published within uh the next week so i look forward to getting to that one as well but just uh the amount of of, uh the credentials that brian has and and just his impact on the community is uh nothing short of of fantastic so it was it was an honor to have him on and i really thoroughly enjoyed having this i have a pre-recorded um kind of a bio of of uh of his that i will share here right after i get done with the intro and uh to add to his bio that i was able to find on the sarnia council um the members page is uh we talk about his um movement into uh the professional wrestling and into ddp yoga which he is so passionate about and and it was great to be able to to open up and talk about that with him and kind of just how you know having having those passions and everything during such a difficult time where we're locked down and feeling so uh maybe suppressed you still have those outlets where you're able to to take your mind off of things and and redirect your focus on something else so you can help uh come out fresh on the other side so Here's a little bio for uh, Brian White, and then we'll get into the podcast. So thanks for joining us today, and, and I hope you enjoy. Brian was born and raised in Sarnia and is married with two children. He has lived and worked in Nova Scotia and in the remote northern community of Wiminji, Quebec. Through his work and documentary, he has traveled and worked in every province and territory except for the Yukon. Brian's community activism has spread across the country, but has been locally based since returning home in 2007. Brian had recently finished his third term as board president for St. Clair Child and Youth Services, which is Lambton County's frontline mental health provider for people 18 and under. He had also served on the agency's services and programs committee and community relations committee. Brian has served on Sarnia's Save the Jail Committee, the Sarnia-Lampton Health Coalition, and Lampton Environmental Action Plan. Brian has also organized or assisted in organizing many community meetings, such as the Citizens Addiction Awareness Meeting, steered towards giving our community a voice in the path towards an addiction and recovery center. He gives a lot of time working with groups to strengthen their own missions by speaking publicly 
or strategizing at their tables. Along with his wife, Jesse, he is the organizer for the local Track for Tourette. Finally, he's also been appointed to the Sarnia Environmental Assessment Committee and the Lambton County Rural Game Protective Association, along with sitting on many other boards and committees. And without further ado, here is my interview with Brian White. All right, I'm here with Brian White. He's on the Sarnia Council. Um, and Brian, I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join me here for episode two. Hey, thanks, Brad. I'm, uh, I'm honored, actually, especially to be considered for, for one of your first. Sometimes I feel like I'm the last on somebody's list. So uh, <laughs> if, if you don't mind me basking in the glow a little bit, I, I feel pretty good. But uh, no, in all honesty, uh, thank you. It's, it's a pleasure. No, that's, that's great. Uh, just like I went before we got on here, just talking about kind of the personal connections. And there was a few that I've, I've kind of been able to kind of touch base with immediately. And, and, uh, um, another, uh, council member, Nathan Calhoun is another one that I've touched base with. And, and the two, two top bios on the Sarnia council page were your, yours and his so it was it was just a natural thing for me to, to reach out to both of you um and and really try to gain some perspective i think the things that you guys the both of you that you've done throughout sarnia are are incredible and uh just to get your perspective on current events the way things are going maybe with the the pandemic uh and how things are affecting sarnia um just kind of listening to what you have to say about that. Uh, so basically, I kind of have here written down is when I went on to the city page and read your bio, I I was actually really fascinated with with everything that was on there. And like you said, it's not <laughs> it's not entirely up to date. So I look forward to to reading that further and sharing that with everybody uh, going forward with uh, the publishing of this. So with everything that you've accomplished and are, and are currently working on, there's so, in my opinion, so many great things that you are doing in the community. However, however, as great as all of that is, this talk with you cannot start anywhere but your history with wrestling and your transition into DDP yoga. So <laughs> I want to know where your uh, relationship with wrestling started and uh, exactly how did you find yourself inside a wrestling ring? Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing. Thank you for, uh, for touching <laughs> on that. What a, what a passion and what a dream come true for me. I, I remember the build up to WrestleMania one. So, I mean, I'm that old. We just had WrestleMania. What was it? 37. Um, yeah. and, and it's a celebration with my family. Like that's a tradition. We sit around and we watch it and we eat junk food. Although this year I'm on a special regiment with my food intake. So I actually had to eat really good, but healthy food. But, um, you know, I, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan and, and I think like a lot of people dipped in and out of it over the years, but I always dreamed of being a wrestler. I, I would deliver papers when I was six and seven years old, um, you know, walking down the street by myself, 
dreaming of a, of a kids wrestling federation that I was the champion of and all of that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just, uh, I, I never could have imagined that I, I had injuries when I was in, in um, like uh, 18, around 18. And there really weren't even wrestling schools around then. I, and, and my focus became more on music and then into documentary. So Honestly, it was one of those things where, you know, would have been nice, but I, I just continued to live vicariously through uh, the people I watched on TV and, and always imagine what it was like um, yeah. over the years. But uh, my, you know, my position as a city councillor has led me into some really interesting places, including yeah. stepping into the wrestling ring. So yeah. we're talking like age 41, you know, yeah. which is unheard of most people are long retired by the time that happens but it was a special event um like it was a, it was a wrestling show here that i took my son to initially right. and uh a, a wwe performer was on at this independent yeah. wrestling show yeah, mvp MVP, yeah. and and there was a moment where he was dragging one of the wrestlers through the crowd and and so he, my son saw a very small child go up there and mvp held back the wrestler and and this kid gave him a couple of chops you know and the crowd just went crazy for that so then my son thought you know oh yeah i'm i'm next and he just tore across the room and and he took a couple of chops at this wrestler i got some pictures of it and you know long story short I reached out to the promoter shortly after and said, listen, uh, you know, I had so much fun and my kid had so much fun. I haven't been to a wrestling show in a long time and independent wrestling is incredible in person. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to make sure this happens again in Sarnia because as good as the crowd was that night, I knew by the production values that we were seeing there that it wouldn't be enough to continue to bring wrestling back over and over again so i right. just sort of reached out and said what can i do like is there anything i can do to help make wrestling uh more sustainable in sarnia so that we have more entertainment options so yeah it it it, it just grew from there i became part of a storyline where as the local politician i had this this war of words uh with with one of the wrestlers yeah and uh we ended up in the ring together and i got you know uh, beat beat down a little bit and then and that led to the next show where I was handcuffing myself to the guy's manager so he wouldn't cheat which led to the next show where I'm actually tagged in a tag team match with with another guy um, right which that was the moment that was the dream come true and because I love wrestling so much I had to train a little bit yeah um just so that a I didn't get hurt but b it was it was really important to me that when I was in the ring I was not looking like a fish out of water and that I made everything else look fake. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, and I, keeping it safe, keeping it safe for me and for the other performers. But I yeah. also wanted to like, I wanted to do stuff when we were talking about the match and, and it was like, okay, we could do this move. I'm like, Oh, that's just like the heart foundation did. Oh, we could do <laughs> these things. I'm like, that's Rick Martel. Oh my gosh. So I, I wanted it to look, uh, I wanted it to look good. I didn't want it to look like a celebrity getting in the ring and falling awkwardly and doing all those things. I wanted it to look like I was I was legit in the ring um, yeah. because it is a real physical uh, activity. I mean, you can predetermine things all you want, but when you get picked exactly. up and you get thrown down to the mat, um, in There's injuries no happen. And <laughs> I actually yeah. broke my wrist in that match. Oh, so. Wow about three minutes in and it was about an 18 minute match. So I finished the match, uh, 
like most of the match with a broken wrist. And, um, and you know, I thought that was it. And that was my little WrestleMania moment and nothing would ever happen again. And I was totally okay with that. But then, you know, months later, another promotion came to town. They wanted me to, to, to join in. Yes, absolutely. And then they offered me a storyline with one of the wrestlers in a series of, of, of singles matches. So then I had to get serious about training. And then right. I just, I, I got hooked. And then yeah. I decided I was no longer a gimmick. I decided that <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm a wrestler Hulk-like now. Superstar. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting in the work. Like I was going in two, three nights a week with my son and we were traveling to London to the dojo oh, wow. and training. And, you know, I had to really schedule hard for that stuff. And sometimes I miss meetings and sometimes I miss training, but yeah. I, I did everything I could to make it work. And my son and I just had the most incredible time driving together uh, on, on the road, listening yeah. to tunes, getting a treat <laughs> after and, 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 you know, it just became this thing where as a family, we, we really bought into it. And I, you know, again, I was just having the time of my life. So <laughs> now I'm a wrestler and, yeah. and part of that training involved, uh, some in-person DVD PY instruction right. at, in London. And, uh, once the pandemic hit and the gym shut down and I couldn't train at the wrestling dojo and, uh, you know, I, I had no access to a personal trainer or anything that I was using to try and get myself into shape and to feel better. Because again, I had lots of injuries too that I was trying to protect in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started doing DDPY every day. Uh, it's, you know, within a week of, of kind of the world shutting down last year. Yeah. And uh, I very quickly realized that not only was it working well for me, but I just, I happened to be at an advanced enough level early on that uh, all of the personal training I had done and all of the other stuff, it just flowed so nicely into that. And uh, I, I realized pretty quickly that uh, once I get the handle of the basics and learn the, the theory behind it, I, I want to be able to teach this to other people. Yeah, and I think and you've already I'm started on, yeah. trying, trying to do that on Facebook a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very blessed. My trainer in London, um, when the world uh, shut down again, and she's one of Dallas's number one trainers, like oh, on really? the planet. So her and Dallas Page are, you know, at text, text level, right? So yeah. um, <laughs> I remember tagging her on a post one time and Dallas commented back and, and started following me on Instagram. And I thought, okay, this is pretty <laughs> cool. And then when everything um, changed with the pandemic, she started an online uh, program with another trainer from North Carolina, uh, Dr. Thomas Wallant, and uh, they created this, um, this, this company uh, to do online instruction because we could follow the DVDs or we could follow the app all we want that Dallas has, out, which is all good stuff. And I still use all of that stuff. Um, but a lot of people like to just interact with you and, and get variety and, you know, be a part of a community. They missed, you know, going to live classes and stuff. So, right. um, they created a really, really, uh, popular online version, um, to try and obviously help themselves get paid. Um, uh, but also to try and build a, a community in a new world because none of us knew when we'd be able to go back and do in-person classes. Exactly. Um, so Sarah Fortune out of London uh, and Tom, Tom Wall, Wallen out of North Carolina uh, agreed to mentor me, well, Sarah did first, uh, as, as I started the training journey um, to become an instructor, a certified instructor. 
And then as part of that training um, to be an instructor, I actually need teaching hours. And again, the world is shut down. They actually offered me slots. And, and again, these are two of the top right TDPY instructors on the planet. And they basically handpicked me to be like the third instructor with their company. And, and so, I mean, I'm going from like zero to 60 instantly. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. So I, I've got, you know, people that are in my free classes because I can't charge while I'm still learning or while right. I'm still uncertified. Uh, but I have to have these practice teaching hours. But I've got people in my classes from all over North America. And uh, obviously, I'm trying to bring people from Sarnia on with it uh, as well. But it's just you know, it just seemed to work and it yeah. fit. And, and I mean, I worked my butt off. There's no question about it, but I mean, I guess it proves to me that when you find a passion and, and, and something that you love, uh, it doesn't always work out Absolutely, perfectly well because yeah. I got a million things that didn't, uh, this just, I'm feeling very blessed. This has happened to be one of the things that just flowed in so nicely to my life. Yeah. So yeah, that's an inc incredible story. And I, I wasn't even expected to get that long of an answer, but just following along with everything was true. <laughs> that was a great story. Uh, and just to kind of touch on it, I think the big thing that jumps off there is your lifelong, like your passion for it is lifelong thing. And I think to, to get away from kind of the, the social political side of kind of where the show is kind of guided to just to talk on having people follow their passions in life uh, I just feel like people can get into a rut where they feel like their passions no longer matter they just need to focus on making money uh, and getting by and yep. they they really lose sight on things that mean mean things to them like uh, to, to be able to do that and make it a family uh, ordeal is something that is so like that's amazing to hear uh i know for us it's it's hockey i do i do enjoy my wrestling as well uh and so does the two that i had on on sunday <laughs> so maybe there's a future awesome. wrestling podcast <laughs> from developing here early on in the going for the for the four that will be i've gone on so far but uh uh, yeah, just to, to talk about that is great. Um, and, and just really sharing and showing that kind of, of passion for it. When you look back at the experience of doing that and going through everything and to where you are and with the DDP yoga and, and uh, the instructing that you're doing, uh, when you look back, I mean, it is kind of your life now as well, but almost like the, the former life, the pre-pandemic life. What kind of emotions do you feel and how do you feel like you're handling things on the mental aspect of, of going through this event, the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I, I think like everybody else, um, we, I'll say we, because, because I, I generally have a feeling that this is the case. And I do talk about this. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an alcoholic in recovery too. So I, I talk to fellow alcoholics and we talk about our mental health, uh, very openly and, and, uh, to try and keep ourselves grounded and, and sober and, and living life. Uh, and, and of course, nobody would have ever expected that we'd be going through something like this collectively, but it feels like all of us and, and, and I mean, all of us, no matter yeah. what side of the 
I mean, I don't even know how uh, a public health crisis becomes politicized. Yeah. But also, you're, you know, that's. Dip- <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. You're dipping into all the questions. <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah. no, that's so great. No, keep going. <laughs> but I, I think, I think we're all, uh, um, we're all feeling the weight of the same thing on our shoulders. Yeah. We just all react to it differently. So yeah. for me, I knew uh, when the pandemic hit. Um, it was just an extension of the work that I've already done in, in on myself personally over the years. Right. It's right. just, I, ha- I, ha- the things that I was passionate about, as I talked about in the last answer, shut down on me, like yeah. not everything, but you know, my wife was sick and, and was going away for, for three, four months. And I have, um, sick children and I had to focus on them full-time 24 hours a day with no external supports because we're all supposed to stay home I can't hug my mom I can't Mm -hmm. take them to appointments because all of those things shut down they can't go to school you know the drill so we're all suffering um, from this level of of total upheaval and I had to just uh, so the question being how do I how am I handling it I had to really uh, again and find something that was a passion and that, that was part of the reason why I focused so hard on DDPY because I needed something personal yeah. that I could feel a sense of accomplishment over and that I could use to shut down everything else at least for an hour at a time right. because the world was so heavy. I would go back, like, I remember two, three weeks into this thing, um, how, and people are still scared, but I remember at the time how scared we all were because there was an unknown virus with unknown um, in unknown circumstances with like unknown, you know, transmittability, all of the stuff that we didn't know a year ago yeah. uh, and people's businesses uh, shutting down and all the stuff. Right. And people reaching out to me scared. I didn't have answers. I wished I did, but of course I was in the same boat as them. So I was dealing with the same fear but also in some ways having to help buoy them up and give them encouragement. Uh, and then I just go sit on my back deck and cry for like 20 minutes, you know, away from my kids. Not that I don't want them to see me cry, but I just needed my alone time to just sit yeah. in the back and take a deep breath, let the weight of all of that fall off my shoulders. And they go, okay, I got to go back because yeah. if I'm not well, uh, then my kids have nobody. If I'm not well, then all the people that are emailing, you know, might not get, you know, the comfort that they're looking for, et cetera. So yeah. I focused um, on, on, on fitness uh, through DDPY and uh, that's really it. I mean, that's, that's how I'm coping. Honestly, some days are just way too heavy. And if I, if I don't compartmentalize it, I could sit in my chair for hours and just stare at a screen and do nothing. Right. Yeah. And, and that to me is okay sometimes, but it, but it, it can't be what I do every day. Yeah. So, and, and, and to kind of feed off of what you're, what you're talking about there is, is you really, I think a lot of people depend or they look to motivation to be their to the, be their thing that's going to get them going in the right direction. And, and it's really just got to be, something that you're driven to do you gotta you gotta get past those days because more often than not and especially during the pandemic that motivation is going to be working against you it's going to make you sit in front of your tv your computer and just let the day dwindle away so uh 
being able to be active is a huge thing. And you were able to do that with DDP yoga. Um, and yes, the, the mental health, uh, part of this whole pandemic is, is a scary thing because it's, it's current and it's going to be going with a lot of people, I think, going forward. Um, hopefully a lot of people are able to come out on, on the stronger side of this when, when we are able to see the daylight at the other end of it. But, uh, I, I, for, for not being one that has reached out to you personally, uh, I, I appreciate that you are taking that, um, time and doing that for other people that are, are in that need. That's something that, I mean, in my first episode of my introduction, I, I wanted to make it clear that this is a place where I wanted people to have a voice. And if it's something that you don't feel like sharing publicly to, to talk to me privately, because I mean, whether it's your belief system on the way things are going and you can't share that thing with people that are close to you, or you know what, if, if you're in a, in a bad situation at, at home, and you're being trapped inside in a, inside maybe an abusive relationship or something like that. Like that's, that's the type of stuff that behind closed doors, people aren't necessarily aware of. And that's the type of stuff that is scary when you think of um, things like any outdoor being isolated inside and not being able to go to, I mean, thankfully the parks, that whole, decision to close parks and stuff like that was reversed because you're you're isolating people from just enjoying some some nature um and and just stepping outside your own home goes a long way in in breaking breaking away from from that state you can get stuck in in, indoors uh so kind of ramble on there but a bit um and where I was going to next, and, and you kind of talked about it, was the political spectrum. Um, there seems to be a left-wing way of dealing with COVID and a right way of a right-wing way of dealing with COVID. And the majority of the people are just somewhere in between, trying to navigate through what they are finding, you know, what they see, what they feel, and you know, the, the majority of us are trying to abide by restrictions and everything. And I think that's, that's huge. Even if you have questions, you still need to be responsible and, and you don't want it to affect you personally, but you also don't want to be the reason why somebody else is dealing with, with this. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a lot of, a lot of unknowns with everything and, and that. So, um, obviously there's confusion. Yeah, uh, is it in your opinion? Do you think it's safe for a pandemic to be handled in seemingly such a political way? And how do you feel about the current measures that we are uh, we are uh, currently under in Ontario? Um, in, you know, in some ways, I, I don't know that. Like, I, I really wish it wasn't political. Um, you know, I, I certainly wish. Um, that this was more of a, and I hate to say it because I was thinking about this, you know, a year ago when we were really feeling, you know, the initial weight of it is that like, we're all collectively um, like in a, 
in a war and that's and i don't mean to diminish what anybody's experience is in actual war i mean that stuff's just i i i really can't fathom that but yeah. there there was some there is some truth to the fact that we're all dealing with trauma and we're all dealing with um the the you know the the fear of the unknown and everybody's got questions and and we should have questions um and and it's unfortunate because some of the decisions that have to be made are they just they just have to be made at a political level i mean we can't empower physicians and scientists um to to directly make policy so that right. so unfortunately those things have to filter through politics and i wish that you know politics was less motivated by external forces and unfortunately i'm seeing it especially a year out more and more um some of our political decisions that were that we're dealing with as, that should be more based on science are actually being uh, diluted, watered down by external influences, um, which which seemingly make really really bad policy, and build distrust. Because I mean, what what could be and should be very cut and dry in a in in the most confusing and stressful circumstances. Um, gets really, really cloudy for people when one day the parks are closed, the next day they're open. Well, yeah. well what was your what was your thought process in closing them in the first place? Well, uh, people get distrustful when, well, how come those stores are allowed to stay open and these stores have to close? So these things that we've experienced over the years uh, or over the last year uh, really make it difficult for everybody to have trust in in any decision being made. So I'm not a huge fan of where we're at right now. Um, and let's face it, hindsight's 2020. I, it's, it, I, I really try not to be an opportunist because, you know, I am in politics and it makes me feel like a dirty politician if I'm trying to point fingers at people who are making yeah. decisions that I wasn't responsible for making. Right. However, some of the stuff over the last year has been pretty questionable and you know my view of it i mean i i went to bat for small businesses as early like i mean within the first couple of weeks yeah. of the pandemic to try and get some clarification so for me it started with clarification over things by august i was writing our premier directly and he was responding to me directly but i was writing the premier directly to advocate for some of our entrepreneurs who wanted to pull off events and i knew that there were ways to do it safely yeah. because I was using other examples of things that they were allowing to happen <laughs> in this province. And I was actually building cases almost like a lawyer would yeah. to say, this person should have the right yeah. to be able to make a living in this fashion because, and I would pull all these articles out of their uh, COVID response act and point exactly the mirror back in their face and say, this is why I believe this. Uh, let's have some equality here and, and let some of these other businesses survive yeah. um, like hairdressers. <laughs> yeah, because it just some of it just seemed to, to make no sense. Right. So if I and I go back to I started in music and I'm I'm, I'm a professional wrestler. Uh, I've got friends who are musicians. I've got friends who are filmmakers because I worked in film too. Well, film got to go back pretty early. The musicians didn't. So a year later, the musicians are 
brutally you know disadvantaged economically the hairstylists are brutally disadvantaged economically tattoo artists are brutally disadvantaged and i could go on and on and, and i mean what's so what's so unsafe about a tattoo yeah. Uh, you wear a mask, the tattoo artist wears a mask, you're together alone in a, in a, in a space. Um, and, and I mean, maybe that is unsafe, but how is it less or how is it more unsafe than uh, a teacher in a classroom with unmasked children for in close proximity for six hours out of a day? Yeah, uh, so true. there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that just seems like it didn't make sense. And so I feel the frustration along with everybody else. I just unfortunately have very limited superpowers to do anything about it. Yeah. And I think I've used my voice to the best of my ability at the council level, along with my colleagues to support people in whatever way we can shy of saying, yeah, let's go, let's go with no restrictions. Cause that to me is also irresponsible yeah, because exactly. we have the public health at large to consider, which is something I never, ever, ever would have imagined. You know, I'm, I might have one day thought that sometime on council, I'd have to come up with, you know, today's version of the no smoking bylaw, right? <laughs> no, like maybe no vaping right? <laughs> or something. I didn't think I'd have to think about whether or not people should be wearing masks every time they stepped into a, a, a restaurant or a shopping mall. Yeah, I can but, hear that. Yeah. But, so, but here uh, we are. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Um, and I'm glad you kind of touched based on what you're you've been doing along with with the other council members. Uh, and I can imagine the council meetings, uh, you probably get into a little bit of uh, maybe debates over stuff. But like you said, a lot of things are out of your control. Um, when you talk about how and like a tattoo parlor or those other small businesses that really aren't having the turnover rate in their own shops. And you think if I'm a small business owner, I'm gonna ensure that I'm following the procedures that are recommended or, or mandated, I should say, if that's a better term, uh, because this is my livelihood. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from is you have these store owners, small business owners, and they are going to make sure that they're taking those precautions because that's what, what puts the food on the table for them. And when you go to a, a big box store, which is essentially you have the CEOs over top and they're seeing their profits continue to soar. I think it, it cuts the, that wound even deeper because if I were to go into, and I'm not, I mean, places have to stay open for essentials i get that but you know the employees that are working there you know they're they didn't put it put it out on the line to, to start up a business and stuff like that and i don't want to discredit anybody because we're all generally just trying to make ends meet and and provide for ourselves and i think but when you look at that too you think well that almost deems everybody essential because everybody is essential if you're going to state the case that the uh pandemic is for the greater good of everybody then you can't can't deny that everybody is essential to provide for themselves so uh i'm glad you touched on that uh with the kind of where you are at with sarnia council um so so just reading from your bio and then maybe it, it's uh like you said it wasn't completely up to date but uh, 
on there, it says you're in your second term as the president of the of, of the board for the St. Clair Child and Youth Services. Uh, could you and correct me if I'm wrong if, if that's if that's changed, but uh, either way, could you just briefly explain this service and maybe touch on the difficulties that the pandemic would have uh, imposed on on such an important program like this? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, there's a, there's an update I need to make. So okay. I ended up serving um, three terms as president and uh, nine years in total on the board. And this is the first year um, out of, you know, out, out of the last 10 years that, that I actually have not served on the board. So my, my, my nine year uh, term came to an end. Uh, we had term limits, uh, a policy I actually uh, helped develop. Uh, because I believe turnover is good. And um, after nine years on the board, my, my going away was uh, on a Zoom meeting, you know. Uh, so that's just the, the nature of, of where we're at. And, and, and so early in the pandemic, as I was still on the board, I was able to see uh, some of the impacts uh, from, from the governance perspective. And of course, I still have children involved in the service. So St. Clair Child and Youth, um, for those who don't know, is the lead agency for children and youth mental health in uh, Lambton County, uh, providing services from birth to 18 years old uh, of all types of, of mental health issues. And, um, you know, it's it was really really difficult at first because like everybody else they had to they had to shut down their in uh, person service but uh, the team very quickly shifted to online which was actually pretty cool because that's something that we'd been talking about for years was what would it take for us to move in that direction and then suddenly we had no choice everybody had to had to figure out how to deliver online services so in right. some ways um I think I think some some youth have have actually enjoyed that transition because um, a, a lot of kids are more comfortable in their own private space somewhere. Right. Um, some other kids, you know, obviously because um, they're all different, uh, maybe don't don't like it as much. But the services have been um, definitely impacted. A lot of programming had to change because there was a lot of group programming. Um, uh, there, there was definitely a lot of, uh, external activity that, that, you know, can no longer happen as well. Um, just from even a social perspective, but, um, certainly the service is as needed today, if not more so than ever before. Some youth actually have benefited from the, the, the lack of, um, connectivity to the outside world. Uh, my, my kid's actually one of them. Um, where we've seen a stabilization because suddenly the schedule is very simple and yeah. the social pressures are all but eliminated. So right. in fact, we, we've seen a stabilization in our family. Uh, whereas as, as we all know, because what we talk about publicly more often, there's a lot of people that maybe even didn't have issues before are suddenly, uh, you know, tripping over, um, some pretty serious, uh, mental health issues. So, uh, again, it's, it's a, it's changed. The nature of delivering the service has changed. Um, and certainly I, I don't speak for the board or, uh, or the agency uh, anymore at this point, but uh, I do know they continue to work extremely hard and, and they've been some of the most adaptive people I've seen 
in this pandemic because yeah. their number one priority all along is making sure that they deliver services. And uh, for the most part, they've, they've really not stopped. And uh, I give them, I give them so much credit, especially, you know, to the frontline workers in that place, because a lot of them had to figure out how to do this from their own home. And uh, that was a, that, that, that's not an easy transition to make, but they had to do it very, very quickly and, and try not to miss a beat because lives are on the line. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, 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 the service was able to do that and to pivot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, totally. And it's good to hear that they're they're being so active, proactive in. Uh, I guess it was all kind of reactive, but uh, just with with taking those measures and ensuring that they're still going to be able to serve their purpose. Um, and yeah, like seeing that on your bio, that was an immediate thing. Just the thought of so many things being taken away from the youth right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, as an adult, you you always look back and cherish, cherish those moments and wish me, Hey, you know, I, you always had that dream of growing up and, and being older when you're young. But then when you get to that age where you're like, Oh, I should, I wish I had that time to enjoy, enjoy those moments. And, uh, and not just rush out of it. It's, uh, it's, it's painful to watch young children, the, the ones that I have in the household and, and missing out on, on sports and school and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, as being a parent and, and you try to do as much as you can for them. But like you, you talked about earlier, uh, you need, you need your alone time and some, some time to almost just to, regain your composure or else it's it's uh it could be a scary thing to a scary situation um and yeah to be in this for nearly what 400 days is what i what i i have calculated out to be approximately oh uh, that's a long time and and to think that it was only just going to be a short short deal while we got yeah. things kind of figured out it's uh it's it's kind of tough to look at everything and then obviously frustrating but um yeah that like your term there with the child and youth services is is uh commendable and uh just another one of your great accolades that i was uh referring to earlier uh additionally you've been so active in the community with other things you've organized and assisted in organizing different events. Uh, one of the most notable ones being the Citizens Addiction Awareness Meeting. Can you can you touch on what the purpose of, of this? I mean, it's in the name, but obviously it's 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 more awareness than it is is just for the addiction or the people that have are suffering from addiction. So you want to just mm -hmm. touch on on the purpose of, of those meetings and and I'm assuming why it's a, it's an important is something that you talked about earlier there too with uh, your your uh, addiction to alcohol. So um, I'll just let you kind of maybe talk about that and, and open the door up for you if you want to share anything with that. Yeah, thanks. Um, and and that's something that you know for me personally. 
definitely has evolved over over the years. Uh, I'll have uh, let's see what's uh, I, I don't want to date your uh, your podcast, but uh, in in theory, uh, <laughs> uh, at this point that people are listening to this, I have eleven years sobriety. So my my sober date is April twenty fourth. So um, I have um, you know a vast network uh, of people and 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 a great connection to people who've been through the ringer uh, and, her, and, and have survived. Uh, but then also, unfortunately, many haven't survived. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my, one of the first uh, young people that I sponsored, because if you go to 12 step meetings, you, you end up sponsoring people, uh, hopefully, uh, if you're, if you're in a position to do so, which really is just mentorship and, right. and, and giving them, you know, you're, you're, you're maybe two, three steps ahead of them at that point. And, uh, you're able to just help, help be a guide and a, and a confidant and a support. Um, uh, but one of my first sponsees, you know, died, uh, like a month, month and a half after I started sponsoring him. And, uh, you know, that just tore me apart. And, uh, that to me was an early indication of how bad things really, really were and that my success does not mean uh, that it's as easy for everybody else. And it was, I shouldn't even say easy. It wasn't easy for me either, but my right. success does not, uh, is no indication of, of anybody else's path. Right. And, yeah. uh, unfortunately over the years, I've seen friends, people, I, people I grew close to, uh, who've taken their lives, um, people who lost their lives because they relapsed. Um, and you know, a common denominator, uh, because it's not just about alcohol, because many of us are cross addicted anyways, and have dabbled with other substances or became hard, hard addicted to other substances. So I don't really discriminate, um, certainly between substances, I, I, I do recognize and respect the fact that uh, there are substances that I've never used. And, and those who have experienced addiction to those, I, I, I can only try to understand because right. those addictions are different. Um, but uh, uh, the common thread is that we all need each other uh, to survive. And we also need a community that is there willing to support us and to, exactly. and to, yeah, to help us feel connected again so that when we are sober, um, and, I, and I think about people, not, you know, not just from an alcohol perspective, as I said, but I think about the, you know, some of the substances that people use, especially nowadays that cause more long-term effects. Um, so your, your, your brain, you know, no, no matter what substance you use, when you come out the other side, your brain isn't the same as it was when you went into it, but right. uh, some substances do a little bit more damage. Um, certainly our soul and our spirit, our, 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 our mental state is one thing, uh, but uh, there's some really, you know, serious physical side effects, uh, even in sobriety uh, or yeah. in their clean time for, for some of these substances. So really at the time, it was a matter of me just saying, let's get some people together. Let's talk about it. Let's try and push for some action. Because at the time that I um, had the one meeting, it was, you know, I don't know, 20 something years that we've been talking about getting a, a withdrawal management facility. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just really at the time hoping that I could humanize addiction and make sure that, you know, there was a, a recognizable face to the, 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 the issue 
publicly and that that would create enough pressure and will to push uh, the powers that be at the time to lead us towards a withdrawal management facility. And ultimately, I still want to rehab in Sarnia. Yeah. Um, so that for me has evolved over the years because then other people, uh, not saying because of or despite or whatever, but there's been a growing movement over the last number of years. And there are other people that are hosting incredible meetings. There are people that are being far more active than I am in that community because of, you know, maybe time I've had to spend more time focusing on my kids' health over the last number of years and, right. and whatever. The good news is there's still momentum pushing us towards that. I've not lost sight of the, of my goals with that. Um, I have a, a desire to create a policy at the provincial level where there's no wrong door uh, because uh, I'll just share briefly a, uh, you know, a story of, of, a, of a guy I knew in recovery who uh, lost his battle. He went to a detox facility um, he, or he went to a rehab and he was turned away because he didn't have enough clean time. Right. Which is really mind blowing wow. to me that there's a system in place still yeah, in, this, exactly. in this province that says you have to have X number of days clean before we can bring you into rehab when the whole point of going into rehab is to get clean. Yeah. So de detox can only hold you for a certain number of days sometimes because there's a pressure for beds too, right? Yeah. So there's a space in between where you're not welcome in one door and you've already been let out another door. Mm -hmm. And what happens, you know, you, you either go back to the, the, the circle that you came from, because yeah. that's where you know you can get uh, some sleep and food uh, or unfortunately a fix because your mind starts playing tricks on you. And yeah. this, this one person, and this is a common story, it's one person in particular, just went and took their own life because they didn't know, you know uh, presumably they didn't know what else to do. Right. Um, and the number of people that I've known who've who've lost their lives over the last number of years is, is mounting so i've got a, a a vision of a policy at the provincial level that i want to push towards that just says if you show up and you ask for help they take you in and i don't care if it's in the er if it's at a detox if it's at a, a rehab center they will take you in and then you know whether it's in a taxi or a a, a, a an ambulance, <laughs> whatever, they will then escort you, take you to a safe space, and then you do not have to worry. Um, the process yeah. right now is still so so broken and and mixed up, and that to me is ultimately my goal with that. But yeah, that, that's uh, like just you're going through that, and I I was uh, so Brady Leibold has a uh, it's a hockey. Hockey to Hell and Back, I believe is the name of his podcast right now. So he's a former, he played in the Western Hockey League, uh, played uh, pro hockey in the Tampa Bay Lightning organization and kind of a few different minor hockey uh, leagues as well. But uh, his story is, is him battling through his addictions and uh, really going through a rough patch. You may or may not know his story. I'm not going to go into further detail but what when you're talking about that you just had on former nhl hockey player and i can take it from your name just drop the b in the r ian white was on his podcast and and i kind of uh wanted to make sure that i was listening to 
to, to that episode of it and he talked about the exact same thing where he where uh he he lives in manitoba he uh took a flight out to bc uh i'm not sure what part of bc but it was it was the equivalent to um downtown los angeles wherever all those homeless the homeless people on the side of the road there so it, it was a very bad neighborhood for for drugs and stuff like that and, and um he called a rehab center in victoria bc and they told him we can take you in it, it i don't know if it was 12 days uh he said i'm calling you standing on the street in probably the, the worst spot in canada right now i kind of need you to to open that door up so i believe they were able to push him in and he was able to get in the next day so it just speaks volumes to like you know what what if they told him that he wasn't allowed to go there would would he have survived that 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 period of time before he was able to get help or would he even be seeking help at, at that point um so the addiction um yeah you talked about the mental the mental games and and i mean people change and and they do things that they, they tell themselves they wouldn't do so it is uh is a very very tough thing and um i just wanted to to, to ask you a question about about that you talked about how important the community is and and kind of getting behind that where do you feel uh sarnia is as a community in in this fight for against addiction and and do you think that we have uh a, a healthy um and constructive community in helping our uh, our citizens get through this or do you think there is a, a ways to go before we can consider ourselves in in that spot Good, good question. Uh, from actually from a from a human level, like from the ground level, we we've got an amazing community. Um, and I've heard that in in recovery circles uh, for years. Yeah, for, for for years and years and years, I've, I've heard that, um, that, uh, you know, people that have lived away and have come here and, and, and they, they think like, my goodness, what a what a great supportive community we have here for for us, uh, you know, dirty alcoholics or us, uh, you know, drug druggies and, and stuff like there's a lot of caring people here who genuinely want the best. And, and, it, and, you know, you combine that with, you know, the frustration that we all collectively feel about not being able to fix the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've got a really solid base of people who are willing to help, who are willing to volunteer, who are willing to do what it takes. And I know that because, you know, being out publicly as, as somebody in recovery, I, I get invited to a lot of conversations and, and I'm, I'm, I'm heartened by the passion and willingness of people who, you know, knew somebody, they weren't in recovery themselves, they knew somebody, yeah. they cared for somebody. And that to me is just an, an incredible thing. Uh, but at the same time, I also share in the frustrations with many of these folks uh, as, as we start the meetings. And, and I think, you know, oh, 10 years into this, I should have more answers and I don't um, because it was some, in some ways we just spin around in circles. So 
at uh, the, the grassroots level, at the human level, we've got an, an amazing recovery community here. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating for so many of us that politically, we just can't get it together. And it's, uh, the, you know, the blame doesn't lay at anyone's feet in our community um, directly that I can tell. A lot of it has just been the will at, uh, at the provincial level over the years that Sarnia has just not been a priority for one reason or another. Um, because I know if the province kicked in enough money uh, or you know, made some decisions on, on locations for the, the detox and some other things that uh, we would have enough of a support system in our community to, to, to make it not only function, but it would be you know, top shelf stuff. And, yeah. uh, and so we all feel frustrated. And then there's the other part of addiction too, that we get frustrated by too. And that's all of the, you know, the, the, the upstream stuff, like um, making sure that we have enough social supports for people before they get into trouble or the people right. that are getting arrested every three days and let back out because yeah, I know they're doing stuff that's not so good. And I know that, you know, you're not supposed to steal bikes and cut them up in backyards. And, and I feel for all the neighbors that are dealing with that stuff. Um, but we need to take care of those people. We can't just arrest them and put them back out on the street every three days. We need to make sure that they have job skills, uh, basic income, life skills, connection to the community, education, medication, if, they're, if they've got physical illnesses that, that are not being addressed, and so on and so on. That's the stuff politically that I think we're really, really dropping the ball on. Yeah. And that to me is incredibly frustrating because everybody's a human being, no matter what they're doing out there. And I know, I know it works. And there are communities that are doing it better. Um, that those, many of them, if, if given the opportunity, can, can not only um, be less harmful to themselves and others, can actually be active participants in a healthy community and that to me is where that's the dichotomy we're 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 an amazing city on one side and on the other side we're we're just completely missing it yeah no that's uh yeah i think uh i mean all throughout the the, the kind of as you're going along there is the, the george carlin quote is yeah these services are great but it's not in my backyard. I think is, it was the quote that he always said. It's good to hear that you feel on the on the ground level that we are uh, we have a community that's going to be able to support it. I know when when you look at the issues and and you really take you distance yourself from the humanitarian side of it, you you can get frustrated with with the petty crimes and stuff like that and and you know what, when maybe you're touched by it personally, or, or if you just go down, you know, if you're going down by River City and, you know, you always have people just waiting to kind of get back in. They're just sitting around. Mm -hmm. And like these people, they're, I mean, they're human beings. And you said that. And if you took the time to, to talk to somebody that's struggling, you'd, you'd find that. And I think if we're open, open to opening ourselves up to that we would we would have more compassion and like you talked about with the provincial side of things and getting the systems and and everything in place where we could we could have 
those institutions in Sarnia that we could help help the community out and we go go so far and I, there's a constant there's a cycle if if you if you just continually turn that person in and you bring them into jail you release them I mean you said it they're not getting better they're maintaining or they're worsening so we need to get in a position where we can help people get back on their feet I'm glad that you went into so much detail with all of that and uh, I, I do foresee uh, reaching out to you and talking to you again sometime soon. Uh, I really enjoyed you taking the time to, to go into detail. I think we've been uh, probably roughly closing in on an hour here. So it's uh, a fun, dis fun discussion. Um, Sorry, man, I'm a little long-winded. <laughs> oh, hey, it's all good. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I like the detail. I like to be able to be able to share your voice um not that you probably need much help in doing that anyways but uh thanks for coming on and helping out with with uh this episode and uh i like i said i look forward to talking to you in the future thanks brian all right thanks brad i really appreciate it good job dr carlson 